what is the why behind everything that we're trying to do? And have we really set a realistic goal? Have you really listened to what that person or that agency said? Yeah. Or did you pick part of it out that you liked and then made Mm -hmm. that the main thrust of the conversation? Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. We'd also like to thank TechCXO for its sponsorship of this podcast. Get proven hands-on C-suite executives to take on an interim role and provide fractional help in lead projects. TechCXO on-demand executive model consistently delivers time and cost savings of 50 to 75% compared to a full-time in-house function. They have helped their clients secure over $4 billion in debt and equity financing and have advised clients on over 200 transactions, including due diligence preparation, M&A and financing alternatives. To learn more, please visit their website at techcxo.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. So good to be back. So good to be back. So good to be back. Adam and I were just chatting and he had an incredibly genius idea for a topic. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see after we record this how genius we think it is. But you know what really can kind of hurt people sometimes is those empty promises. Yes. Right. Those those things that sound too good to be true or we say it in a moment. And the next thing we know, we're like, oh, probably shouldn't go there. So let's kind of talk about some of that today. Yes, right. And I, mean, yes. I think everybody that listened to listens to us probably has an experience with like, man, I got promised this and received Nothing, even nothing. Close. Yeah, yes, nothing yeah. to it. Right. So let's let's kind of tackle this a little bit from the corporate side of it for just mm-hmm. a second. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that when I am talking to supplier diversity managers or other people in the profession is making sure that we're being transparent in everything that we're saying and doing with our suppliers. That is right. absolutely critical. Right. I, I see it all too often that we really want to help. I mean, honestly, we want to bring in every diverse supplier we meet. We want to give them a shot. We want to give them a contract. We want them to be able to prove themselves. But in reality, yeah, you don't have that much room at the table. Right. I mean, even yeah. your bigger companies at some point they're spending is truly going to be finite. And unfortunately, the the saying is true. Right. Nobody got fired for hiring the big 10. Right. That is right? that saying is true. That, that is. saying is true. Unfortunate, but true. Not to say that you guys can't provide the same services or even present any more or less risk to a corporate, but the perception, whether we like right. it or not, is still there, right? Right. Let us then, as supplier diversity professionals, be transparent in that and call it out. Right. Just say, hey, you know, right now, you might not be at a size where we can move forward in this, but... Let me take down your information. Let's continue this conversation and see where things develop. Right. There's a way to say thank you, but no thank you without just immediately turning somebody away when they when they come and talk to you. Because you never know what point that small company you talked to today was part of an acquisition tomorrow. And now they've gone from being a $5 million company and they're now a $50 million company. Happens right. all the time. All the time. All the time in making the decisions. But you never know like the type of innovation that they bring. So just being dismissive, exactly. I think sometimes is just premature. It is. It is. And you know, another place that I hear people talk to me all about and, and um, you know, sometimes I find in this position, you, you, you turn into counselor uh, beyond just trying to help people 
<laughs> right. You know, continue to do do business with you. And they, they're like, man, we hear all of these great promises. We hear them from our certifying agencies. We hear them from corporate leadership. But I am yet to see any of that come to fruition. Mm. And I think there it is. The empty promises there is we have to be true to the goals that we're setting. Right, right. Right. You know, you and I have talked about it several different times. It's like, what is the why behind everything that we're trying to do? Right. And have we really set a realistic goal? Have you really listened to what that person or that agency said? Yeah. Or did you pick part of it out that you liked and then made mm -hmm. that the main thrust of the conversation? Right. 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 Um, and so I think, though, for, for corporates, we have to be sensitive to that. We have to understand, especially in today's uh, day and age and economic climate, we need to be very sensitive to people are really trying to make it. They're right. really trying to move things forward. They're really trying to make things better for their family, for their communities, for the people that they employ. Uh, so literally people's you know lives and livelihoods are on the line in the way they can and can't do business. So we have to make sure that when we're talking to them, we're being transparent. We're talking to them about what is what is a true cycle time. Right. I know that in my world, when I'm talking to people about cycle times, they're like, so is the cycle time for you guys like four to eight weeks? I'm like, try 36. Yes. Yeah, so Tell me a little bit more about cycle time because I don't think people understand. And I think oftentimes right. when you're a small business, you think companies that you want to work with move at the same pace that you do. And right. they definitely don't, especially when they, you're working with larger organizations. Yeah, that's that's so true. So um, a cycle time is basically the length of time it takes from the minute you shake a company representative's hand to when you actually sign an MSA with them uh, or a sales order, agreement. PO, however, whatever contracting vehicle they're going to use. Mm -hmm. um, and a cycle time is an average amount of time that it takes to put all of that together, usually uh, measured in weeks uh, and sometimes months. Uh, so it's um, just to give you an idea of how much time, effort, and, and follow-up you need to invest to work with that. And that's, there's actually some different studies out there that you can go and Google search. If you Google search uh, sales cycle times for certain industries, you'll get an idea of what, of what they're talking about. And you can even mm -hmm. look at it um, in size of companies too. So for major financial institutions, it is not uncommon to see a 36 month, 36 wow. months cycle time. Yeah. So three years from the date that you say, hi, my name is to <laughs> signing an MSA, you're looking at 36 months. And that is Due to several different factors, right. one we're huge corporates. We 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 move like battleships, as I tell everybody. Right. So uh, if you're going to turn a battleship around in 180 degrees, it takes a five mile arc to turn that ship around. Right. Uh, unlike a speedboat that can turn in, you know, inside the radius of like what probably 180 degrees. Right. So, um, it, Think of it that way. It, and, and my small businesses, they're used to being nimble. They're thinking on the spot. I mean, this whole uh, pandemic has showed how nimble and quick uh, these men and women are doing on pivoting their businesses around, bringing Absolutely. in ideas, finding new avenues, that type of thing. Realize, though, that if you're going to go after a large corporate, understand why you're going to go after them, right? We're going to come back to that for a second. But then also understand this is going to be 36 months of me following up with them, having conversations, probably saying the same things. Over and over yeah. again, providing them the same capability statements, talking and probably talking to the same person, yeah. you know, that long. Right. Um, right. And, and so they just need to realize that. And, and let's set as corporate America, let's set that expectation correctly for them. All too often when I am in supplier diversity events, I'm listening to my peers and they're like, yeah, we're going to get you on this RFP or we're going to work on getting you on this rate card or get you introductions to these people. When, but there's just 
no opportunity there. The mm-hmm. conversations are nice. The introductions are good. Don't get me wrong. They're important. But let's also make sure that we're setting the expectation of even though I'm letting you meet service manager Joe, yeah, it's still 36 month cycle time, right? Yeah. We still have other projects that are in flight. We still have other cycle times that have to go through. And you have to remember most of us already, whatever service you provide, and I love all of you that listen to this show, <laughs> every service that you provide, every major corporate already has one, more than likely has three. Right. Right. An average contract, guess what? Guess how long those average contracts are for? 36, 36 months. 36 months. Exactly. The magic number. Yep. There it is. We come right back to it. So realize that you're not selling anything new. It may have a new wrapper on it. It may be the latest and greatest, but in all, when we boil it down, it's not new. We usually already have one. So now you've got to wait till A, that one that we have expires. And then people want to hear about how you can do it differently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So value, value creation, being clear that value you know creation. what yep. it is and the value that you're bringing against their competitors, which means yep. you need to know who their current service providers right. are. Right, right. And, and understand that. So understand that that's, you know, let's be truthful about something else. When you go and attend a uh, business opportunity exchange or you go to one of these national conventions, you're there to meet people, not get contracts. Of course, of course. Right. Yes, I mean, yes. I can't tell you how many people I've had approach me and go, so what do we have to do to to get an MSA with you? I'm like, well, not treat <laughs> me like I'm buying a used car is going to be a great right. way to you're like that's um, a starter starter yeah that's, that's, let's let's open with that um yeah. you know we don't we don't i tell everybody that i did not come with any blank msas in my suitcase um <laughs> you know you are there to if you can walk away and i tell this to my proteges all the time if you can walk away with three brand new quality contacts mm-hmm. that you can start working then you've had a very successful week at a trade show yeah yeah, absolutely. And I would like to now look at my certifying agents and say, let's be truthful about what the expectations are at those trade shows. I can't tell you how many angry MBEs I've had walk away, not at me, but at the whole system in general going, I don't get it. I pay all this money. I get the certification. I do all this stuff and I still have nothing to show for it. Right, right. Right. Why? So again, I, I see empty promises on that side too that we've got yeah. to address. Yeah. Let's, let's be realistic about what the membership and in, in our different organizations mean. And they're valuable. So don't get me wrong. Yes, I'm thinking about all of my friends that are in certifying agencies. Those are valuable relationships. But we have to all work with our MBEs and, and WBEs and every other BE that we have to let them understand the value is not to get a contract with a corporate. Yes, you can help for that. You can help broker that conversation. Yeah. But it is the partnerships. It's the B2B opportunities with your fellow peers. It is finding somebody that can help mentor you along. It's it's there for idea exchanges. There's so many other things that can be offered other than a contract. Right, right. There is a lot. There's a lot that can be offered. And I think maybe a better articulation of all of those offerings is something that needs to be explored as well. Because I don't know that everybody always knows the value of all that is out there as a small business owner. Agreed. Oh, I agree. And there's so much to be had. Right. You know? Yeah, there, there's so much to be had. And and honestly, those relationships or, or any relationship is only going to be as deep and as valuable as the time and effort you put into it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You're not going to pay your money, walk out with a certificate and bang, the world open up at your feet. It's a step, right? 
And so you need to, you have a strategy with it. You have to have a strategy with your certification and why you got it and who you're going to go after as a result of it. And you know what it's going to do for you. We'd like to thank the university of Georgia supply chain advisory board for sponsoring breaking barriers, building a higher ground. In addition to ensuring the UGA supply chain curriculum meets employers needs, the board also connects employers with highly qualified students. Join corporate board members like Johnson and Johnson, Home Depot, and the Chick-fil-A to discover and hire tomorrow's supply chain innovators today. To learn more, go to www.terry.uga.edu, click on alumni, and find the supply chain advisory board there. It, again, it comes down to our intentions. It comes down to our whys. Why are we doing right. something? Why am I engaging with this? You know, and so it, it comes back to a little bit of the, the pros and cons, right, of certifying versus non-certifying. Right. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but, you know, there's good cases on both sides. There is. Um, for, for this very reason. This, this is one of those reasons that there is that topic. So, um, I, again, it, it comes down to nobody, I think, goes into any of these relationships, any of these um, organizations to defraud anybody. Right. right. I know that my and my team, when we would go to – uh, different events. We're not never there to defraud or to paint a picture that's not there. But I think sometimes we just have to be careful with what we do promise uh, right. our, our small and diverse businesses. And, and we're afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. Right. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you what, I think that a lot of businesses and correct me if I'm wrong, Chloe, if I go off the rails on this, but I think a lot of businesses would appreciate you come up, you, you give your 30 second pitch and for the corporate to sit there and go, I just don't think that's going to fit. I just don't see a need for that right now. Um, I think you'd rather hear that than, yeah, let me get, let me get your card and, and we'll follow up with you, you know, in, in, in six to eight weeks. And then you're left sitting there going, why aren't they following up with me? Right. Or you're trying to reach out to them, trying to follow up with them. And then all of a sudden they're not responding to emails or voicemails or, or anything else. Um, I think it's, it's a much more straightforward way. I think you actually build credibility inside the, the different organizations inside uh, the supplier diversity realm, by just shooting straight and saying, there's that's something that we just don't particularly need, need right. right now. Yep, yeah. I definitely agree. I think that that's important, um, especially at those the trade shows. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, speaking of the trade shows, you know, one thing that I've seen that is very disappointing is um, some of the corporates outsourcing the the people yes. that are there at the booth. And so, yep, you know, just I think that that's something companies really need to think about because these are essentially representatives of your company. And if they don't really know the culture or the philosophy or how important this initiative is to your organization, they can be very sort of dismissive or, or not know your process and say, and they're the ones that are committing to the six weeks or the 10 weeks, as opposed to no, that's not how this works at all, you know? So I think being transparent, but also just having respect on both sides is is very important as well. And I totally agree. I, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, you come back, you come uh, across as so disinterested by using third parties to represent your firm at a trade show yeah. that's there to build relationships <laughs> in the first place. Exactly. So you've outsourced the build relationships. Well, this tells me what this whole <laughs> yeah. thing means to you, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I think, yeah, there needs to be a little bit more transparency around that and and transparency within the organization. Like, what does this commitment mean to us? Yes, Yes. And I think a lot of companies right now are struggling to figure that out too. When we talk about just transparency in general mm-hmm. and empty promises, I mean, you're seeing a lot of companies, you know, with all these different initiatives, but what 
I think a lot of small businesses that I've heard recently is like, yeah, but their processes, the leadership, the C-suite, you know, they've put out these mandates, but it's just somehow not really trickling down because, you know, the policies haven't changed or the structures that were, you know, historically meant to, you know, weed out certain groups of the population still haven't haven't changed and so mm-hmm. um anyhow I, I, we've just been having this conversation especially with some of the the larger brands um more on the consumer side that have said a lot in the retail space yeah yeah interesting Inter- uh, yeah and i think that's a, a really good spot to bring up too right is that whole tone from the top i think we've talked about that before too yeah right and i think that's what comes down to that yeah. as well it's it's is it's one thing to say we do it, but it's, is what is the C-suite saying about it? Cause that's really where the right. impetus is going to come from. Right, right, right. And really figuring out and also saying, you know, what is our commitment and how do we get our leaders across mm-hmm. the organization rallied around this same goal? Right, right, exactly. And then also realizing as, as a small and diverse business that, you know, big corporates, we, we have to do business, right? We still right. have to make money. We still have to answer to shareholders. Right. Um, and so therefore, you're going to be evaluated with the other competitors in the market. Right. Right. So if you're a consulting firm, yeah, you could be sitting there and Deloitte could be sitting right next to you. <laughs> right. I mean, yes. honestly, it could happen. So you've got to be ready for that. You know, I see that all the time in, in the IT tech space right. is, you know, we'll, we'll have one group come in to try to do an installation and in walks, you know, a large computer <laughs> firm right behind them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, be prepared. But, um, you know, as a corporate, let's be transparent too. let's not make that small and diverse business think that if they're part of the RFP. This is only an RFP for small and diverse businesses that, you know, the big three could be coming in as well also. Right. Um, so be prepared, right? Be on very, both sides. very prepared. Mm-hmm. Be very prepared. Well, have you ever seen any of, you know, when you come in and you're competing, have you ever yep. seen or have any suggestions or suggested to maybe one of those big firms to partner with any of the smaller ones that respond oh, to RFPs? Oh, yes, most definitely. So you're talking about like a tier two program. We yeah. absolutely love that. And I'll tell you why. And I, and I know I've got a lot of MBEs uh, that are kind of cringing right now, probably as I'm talking about tier two. But <clears throat> the whole idea there is... If you think about it, if you're going to come do work, and like I said, it, 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 obviously I've spent my time in the financial sector, but I mean, we could talk about anything. We talk pharma, we could talk transportation, mm-hmm. uh, heavy or light industry. Everybody has um, insurance requirements. Right. So, you know, if you're going to work, say, under one of the big banners as a subcontractor to them to fulfill a project, then their insurance actually protects you. So you actually then get the experience of working for this large corporate without having to take on the additional risk of insurance or any of the other kind of overhead that we need to keep, you know, to meet our requirements from a legal compliance side. So that is something to think about. The other thing, too, is um, it's a great way for you to safely get in to learn and then also see how the big the big corporate that you're working underneath is doing it as well, too. Mm. How are they managing their companies? How are they getting their feeds in? Yeah. Um, that type of thing. So it's a great way to learn on both sides of the street. And we see it as a very viable strategy a lot um, so that we can get smaller companies in that maybe can't scale to the size that we need them to right then. Right. But they can at least start getting their feet wet in the industry. 
Yeah. Even if they can't get scale or maybe they just need some mentorship, like you said, you know, right. they, they have the capabilities to scale, but maybe they need some mentorship. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So my, my advice always to MBEs and, and everybody else is if you have a chance to do a tier two project, take it. Yeah. yeah, I get it. The margins might not be there or that type of thing. But, you know, the experience that I think that you garner from that is more Priceless. than the margin you lost uh, trying to put together. And let's be honest, if you're getting totally, you know, done wrong in the way of margin, you might want to think about that. I will give you that much. But don't just write it off demissively from the start of, oh, my margin's cut, so I don't want to do it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think that it opens up a world of possibilities when you partner and yep. you, as particularly when large companies then partner with smaller MBEs. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's an, an incredible partnership. It is. It's a, an incredible thing too. And if you're a kind of a niche type provider, right? Absolutely. Uh, I would almost <laughs> live and die by tier two until you were, you know, of that scalable set, because if you can do niche, so can, you know, two very large tech firms that I can think of off the top of my head also. Right, right, right. And right. so if you can do tier two with them, it's better to, it's better to have them as an ally than an enemy, if you want right. to think about it that way. Right, right. Definitely. Let them, let them bring you in and then you gain that experience. Right, right, right. That would definitely be the smartest thing to do. And then you can learn that organization, the pan the the actual yeah. client a, a yeah. lot better as well. Yeah. You know, I, I know that was a standard question in a lot of our RFPs where we were looking at new kind of smaller suppliers. We would ask, hey, have you ever provided tier two to us or any of our peers? Because we recognize that that is a way that you're learning. Right. And if you have done that, then we have somewhere to go and, and check on it. Yeah, that's perfect. That is perfect. Well, more on, on tier two to come we are going yes. to interview some of our tier two suppliers um on our next episode cannot wait that's gonna be a great one all right thank you guys for joining us again if you have any questions any comments please send them directly to us thank you thanks guys thank you for listening to breaking barriers building a higher ground we are grateful for the time you spend with us and participating in these conversations Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.